God has protected Laban and he had, I mean, not Laban. God has protected Jacob from Laban, right? Okay, so what has Laban done? What's Laban been doing to Jacob? Jacob's God's man. He's bearing God's promise. And Laban has been doing what to him? Using him. Using him. What else? He changed his wages over and over again. He made promises to him he didn't keep. He told him, I'm going to give you these speckled whatevers. And we're going to see today when, when Jacob actually confronts Laban, he's going to tell him, we're going to find out what he has been doing that he's been saying, you know, when all the animals brought forth speckled animals, uh, he, he said Laban would change his wages to the striped animals. And then God would make all the animals bring forth striped animals. And then Laban would say, well, uh, we're not going to do the stride. Let's do the other kind of animals. And then every time Laban changed his wages, God would bring forth that kind of that kind of animal. And God has protected Jacob. Laban has tried everything he knows to do to get back at, to get Jacob where he wouldn't prosper, to get Jacob where he would uh, be, you know, Laban's servant forever. And Laban has done everything he knows to do in order to hurt Jacob. And Jacob has just gone right along, and God has prospered him and done all those things. And it, it really showed us last week, you saw that, that when, when God's for you, that Bible verse, you know, God's for you, who can, who can be against you? Nobody can, nobody can stop God's promise. Nobody can stop God's purpose uh, for those who bear his promise and those who, uh, that he is, you know, instructing. He's told Jacob, you know, that I'm going to be with you until I bring you back to this land and all those things. And so in this chapter... I'd like to get the whole chapter in, but realistically, it's a lot of verses. We may not get it, may not get it done. Uh, but what's going to happen is God's going to call Jacob. And he's going to say, look, it's time for you to go home. It's time for you to pack up your stuff and it's time for you to get back to the promised land, the land that I promised you. And uh, it's time for you to, to move on. And Jacob, what I'm going to show you, what, what I think I see in these, this chapter is Jacob's still not the man of faith. He's still not, he's still not the man that we think, you know, not the, not the man that he's going to become when God changes him. He's going to change him in the next chapter when he wrestles with God. Um, but he's kind of just like a lot of us. He's a walking contradiction. He believes and he's heard from God. You know, God promised him something at Bethel, uh, but he's still doing things his own way. He's still uh, trying to plan his deal, you know, trying to work his plan rather than trusting in God's promise, rather than trusting in God's ways and, and, and what God's got going on. And so this chapter, what we're going to see is number one, I'm, I'm going to show you that I think Jacob is he's a going to obey God when he's leaving, but he's going to do it in a way that is kind of sneaky. He's going to do it in a way where it, it just seems like he ought to stand up and tell Laban, you know what? I'm leaving. Uh, I'm, God has called me and, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not tending your flocks anymore. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm going. Instead of doing that, he is going to, first of all, he's going to take counsel with his wives to try to get his wives on his side, which he's going to do. And the second thing he's going to do, and you know if you've read the chapter, he's going to sneak out. You know, he's going to sneak out when, when Laban ain't paying attention and that Laban's going to go after him. I mean, he's going to go after him like with military strength trying to get him. And God is going to use this. We'll see this as we get through it. God's going to use this to push Jacob into where he's going to have to have faith. He's going to have to stand up and tell Laban what's what.
So that's kind of where we're going. Um, God directs him first to go home. Verse one, we'll just read. Let's read the first three verses and then we'll talk about it a minute. And if we don't get through the whole chapter, it'll be fine. We'll we'll work it out. It says, and he heard the words of Laban's sons. This is Jacob saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's and of that which was our father's. He hath gotten all his glory. What are they trying to say? His sons. His sons are looking around. You know what's happened. Jacob has gotten all the spotted, all the speckled, all the, you know, all the different kind of animals. And his flocks have grown. And remember it said Laban's were weaker and his were stronger. And so Laban's sons are there. And, you know, they're inheritors of Laban's stuff. And so why are they, what are they saying? Why are they ticked off? Why are they all, uh, all of a sudden upset? Yeah, they've seen, they've seen this guy Jacob gain and they've seen their dad diminish and it's his fault it's his fault and we're we're not too happy about it and they they pretty much uh, accuse him of stealing you know it says all that was our fathers and of that which was our fathers hath he gotten all his glory he's used our dad to get all his glory all his wealth all his power all his whatever and Jacob, that's the sons, then Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not towards him as before. That's talking about Laban himself. So Je Laban's sons realize what has happened. Laban has realized what has happened, and Jacob is looking around seeing this, and he's thinking... Okay, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, all these, all these folks, all of a sudden that I've been with for 20 years, they, uh, they're not looking at me the same way. You know, he's probably thinking, you know, that somebody's going to stab me in my sleep or something if I, if I continue to hang around here. And so it says in verse three, and the Lord said unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. What does that remind you of? I will be with thee. It's what he told Abraham, for sure. And Isaac. and Isaac. And what about in Jacob's life specifically? I will be with thee. Do you remember when he said that? When did he say that to Jacob? When he left home the first time. When he left home to go to Laban, where, was it, where did he stop? And what happened? Remember? He stopped at Bethel. At Bethel, right. God said, God appeared to him. Remember the ladder, the Jacob's ladder with the angels ascending and descending? God appeared to him and said, look, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you to bring you back to this place. Talking about his homeland, his promised land. I'm going to be back. I'm going to be with you when you go. And I'm going to be with you when you come back. I'm going to be working for your good. He's reminding him. He's saying, look, okay, now it's time for you to go home to your people, to your kindred, to your country. I am going to be with you. This is the promise that he made. Now, here's where it gets a little, here's where it gets a little, um, I guess you could say controversial. It's not really controversial, but um, some people think Jacob is right to do what he does here. Some people think he's wrong. So I want to get your opinion. What do you think? Um, what he's going to do is he's going to call, rather than call his wives together, you know, Leah and Rachel, and say, this is what God has told me. He has told me that we are to go home to my country, my pro the promised land, the land where I bear promise, and that's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead our family back to, back to the homeland. Instead of doing that, it's almost like he is trying to get his wife's opinion. He's trying to garner support with them so, uh, you know, as to, rather than just declaring, this is what God has told me to do, he's going to try to get their 
support. In verse 4 it says, And Jacob called, sent and called Rachel and Lee to the field and to his flock. Notice it says his flock. This is not Laban's flock. It, it, all through this chapter, it makes clear Jacob is not taking his Laban's flock. He is taking what is rightfully his, what God has given him, and said unto them, "I see, I see your father's countenance. I've, I've seen Laban's face. He's not with me like he used to be. That it is not towards me as before. But the God of my father has been with me, and you know that with all my power I served your father, and your father has deceived me and." Changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages. This is where we find out what Laban's been doing. The speckled shall be thy wages. Then all the cattle bore speckled. And if he said thus, the ring straight, which is striped, shall be thy hire. Then bear all the cattle ring straight. Thus God has taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. <coughs> And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream and behold the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring straight, speckled and gristled. This is how he knew to demand them as his wages because God showed him in a dream. And the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob, and I said, here I am, here am I. And he said, lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring straight, speckled and gristled. And I have seen all that Labeth doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar and where thou vowest the vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out of this land and return to the land of thy kindred. So this is Jacob sharing all of this with Leah and Rachel. He's trying to get them on board. He's telling them, uh, he showed them the, the vision that God gave him. He told him the command that God gave him to leave. And he uh, he's uh, telling them the reason. You know, your, your uncle or your dad, excuse me, Laban, has been changing my wages over and over again. And you see that I've still been faithful. I have still done exactly what I was supposed to do. But now God has told me that it's, it's time to go. And he said... I am, it is interesting to me in verse 13 that all, up until now, God has always introduced himself as I am the God of your fathers or I am the God of Abraham and I am the God of Isaac. Why does he say I am the God of Bethel? Because that's his home. That's where he That's where he first met him. What is he trying to remind Jacob of? I mean, he could say, yeah, yeah, he could say, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac, which would remind Jacob and remind us as well that he kept his promise to Abraham. He kept his word to, to Isaac and he's done all the things that he was supposed to do or that he said he was going to do. Uh, and he, he miraculously kept the promise for Abraham. I mean, you remember how many times Abraham tried to mess it up or Isaac tried to mess it up. And no matter what happened, God was always faithful, even if it came to the point where God had to step in and miraculously deliver them, he could say, so it'd be no, no issue to say, I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of, but that's not what he says. He says, I am the God of Bethel. And I think that he does that because he's showing him, Jacob, I'm the God that made you a promise. Not just that I made your daddy a promise and not just that I made your granddaddy a promise. And I, I've been faithful to your granddaddy. I've been faithful to your daddy. But you need to think back to when I made you a promise. I made you a promise. And what that promise was specific. It said, I'm sending you to I'm sending you here and I will be with you to bring you back into your own land. He's reminding him of the promise.
promise that he made. But he wasn't the only one that made a promise at Bethel, was he? God wasn't. Didn't Jacob make a promise too? You remember that? Chapter 28. What did Jacob promise? We looked at it and we said it was kind of a faithless promise. Uh, because Jacob, remember what Jacob said? He said, well, if you do this, and if you bring me back, and if you take care of me, and if you feed me, and if you clothe me, then you will be my God. You remember that promise that, that we, we talked about, how it's really not a promise of faith? He was saying, if you, you got to do all this for me, and then I'll make you my, your, my God. Well, he's reminding him of the promise that God made. He's also reminding him of the promise that he made. Because even though it was a faithless promise, if you do all this for me, I will make you my God. God has fulfilled his end. And so now what we're going to see is that Jacob, I mean, he owed before, but now he really owes because he made a promise. And that promise was, if you take care of me and if you do all the things that you said you've done, then you're going to be my God. Well, has God kept his end of the bargain, so to speak? It really wasn't a bargain, but yeah, he's leaving Laban with flocks and herds and donkeys. And we're going to read that in a minute. Manservants and female servants and a big, huge family and wealth. And he has done everything that he has promised for Jacob. And so now Jacob is obligated. He was obligated before, but now he's he's really obligated to make God his God. And we're going to see Jacob's going to waffle a little bit. And God is going to have to come and he's going to have to break him. He's going to have to break him. We'll see that and when we get there. Yeah literally. yeah, literally he's going to have to break him. And so this is all, this section we just read from verse 4 to verse 10 is Jacob telling his wives Lee and Rachel. He shared with them what God said. He shared with them the vision. He shared with them all those kind of things. Now, I want to ask you this. Is this a demonstration? Now, some people say yes. Some people say no. So we can discuss that. Is this a demonstration of Jacob having a weak faith by trying to court his wives to agree with him rather than just standing up and declaring God has spoken to me and this is what we're going to do? Do you think it's a demonstration of weak faith or do you think he's just doing what you're supposed to do? Well, I think so because the simple fact that if, you know, Laban was to come at him, he'd have his two daughters against him. Yeah. By talking to him like this. Uh, right. So you think it was a what he was supposed to do, weak faith or this is just normal procedure? Well, before you make a big decision, are you going to talk to Dana about it, or are you just going to be a dictator and demand? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> true. That's not there. 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 You go, girl. <laughs> we ain't going to have no family fighting from the first two rows, please. Thank y'all very much. Uh, that's true, yeah. And uh, that's that's the question. I'm not here to tell you the right answer. I'm just asking. Do you, you think... look at it as a, like what Brother Eddie's been preaching the past couple of weeks about bearing his burden. You may be sharing his burden with his wives. With his wife, yeah. Right. And, and saying like they would bear some of the... I don't know, stress or right. angst of all that that's Where going the, on? Uh, the wife's supposed to do. She's the helpmate to the husband. Yeah. And so maybe that's, you know, he's doing the biblical thing in, in doing that. That's right, including them. What? Um, <laughs> by the way he the way he lays it out, everything he's told them is the truth. It's exactly the way it happened. He right. Did, he did not go with, with them with your daddy, blah blah blah. <laughs> and you know how dare he go against me, a man of God? You know he said 
this is what's going on. He didn't dictate them to you better. Yeah. And you know, you him. ought to. He just this is what's going on. Yeah. And I think he was right. Think and, he was? And I, I just I'm, think he I'm was with you. Yeah. Right or wrong, he was honest. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Well, I can see that. You gotta look how they reacted, you know. Yeah. Of how they perceive, you know, they, they didn't have faith in him because like said that. And that see that's the thing that's gonna be strange to me is well let's just read it. It says this is what Rachel and Lee it says verse fourteen says, And Rachel and Lee answered both of them together and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our own our father's house? They said, We don't have anything here. Are we not counted of him, talking about daddy, as strangers? For he has sold us and has quite devoured also our money, our bride price. For all the riches with God has taken from our father that is ours and our children's. Now then whatsoever God has said unto thee, do. What strikes me about that is this is the first time. I mean, the first time in the history of this family that Lee and Rachel have agreed on something. Yeah, yeah. Have you know? Remember yeah. the last time we saw them, they were fighting tooth and nail as to who would be the who would be the the awesome wife, or who would bear the most children, or who would have Jacob's love. And all of a sudden, this huge conflict has come, and Jacob says, "Look, I'm, we got to leave Daddy here. Uh, you know, I know I'm taking you away from your family, but I'm sorry." And they agree for the very. I mean, it's almost like they all they come together so uh, to me that just that just it's a it sparks that that first God is moving in the midst of all this but second is that they are dissatisfied with with what daddy has done it says that resentment yeah well see now here's the thing their resentment has always been toward each other I mean, they've pretty much, I dare to use the word, hated each other, but they have been, you know, I, I want her dead. I want her gone. I want to be the wife. You know what I mean? I want, I want. To me, and, it shows, the, the, like again, in the book of Ephesians, about being submissive to the husband. You know, she's reverencing, they're reverencing their husband and, and what God's Oh, yeah, will absolutely. Is, what God's will is for his life. So, you know, him bearing that burden, as I said, you know, he's, they're taking it upon that to, you know, help him. Yeah, and that's true. What what I find so, uh, I don't know, amazing is that while they're, they're, it's almost like they're reconciling with each other, though. You know, they're behind him. They basically said, whatever God told you to do, that's what we're going to do. Uh, but it's almost like all of their disagreements, all of their whatever has been put up under the shoved up under the rug because I'm telling you we spent whole chapters talking about how they hated each other and how they were fighting each other and God was God was using that to bring forth the 12 sons of Israel or 12 sons they of Jacob and all those kind of things. They have learned to to get along a little bit better and learn to reconcile their differences. Yeah. And I also would point to the fact you remember the last thing one of the last things we looked at was when they were having all those babies, you know, and they were, I'm, maybe this time I'm going to get Jacob's love. Maybe this time Jacob will love me. Maybe this time I'll defeat my sister. There was a time in both of their lives where first Leah said, you know what, I'm just going to praise God. 
And then at the very end, Rachel, when she had when she had Joseph, she turned her eyes toward God and said, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to praise God. And so you've seen a transformation in their lives. They have they've grown and God is raised. Yeah. And that's right. It's like God is pushing this family toward trusting him. Not just taking, you know, not just saying, yes, we, we serve. Jacob has always said, yes, we serve this God. We serve Yahweh. We serve the Lord. That's the one we serve. He's always said that. But it's not just God is not pushing them not just to call his name or not just to use his name or to, you know, to uh, to uh, uh, represent his name, but to actually trust in him and be in relationship with him. He's calling Jacob, but he's also calling Leah and and Rachel as well do y'all see that as well yeah and so he says this is what we're going to do the the ladies uh, agree with him the wives finally agree on on something um, and so Jacob here's the next question I have for you instead of coming to Laban and saying Laban listen I've been with you 20 years you know, I, I, I worked seven years for one wife, worked seven years for another wife. I worked six years for the wages of the speckled and the spotted and all those, all those kind of things. He says, God's appeared to me and he specifically told me that now it's time to go home. Jacob does not do that. He's going to sneak away like a thief in the night. And so what he does, let's look at verse 17. It says, and Jacob rose. This is the women have said, okay, we're in verse 17. Jacob rose up. He set his sons and his wives upon camels and he carried away all his cattle and all the goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Padan Aram uh, for to go to Isaac, his father in the land of Canaan. He's going home. And Laban went to shear his sheep, which was, it, this was a big process. It would take, I don't know, it, they usually went two or three days away and it would take two or three days to shear. This is lots and lots of flocks. It was a very labor intensive thing. It says Laban went to shear his sheep. Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's, the little household gods. We'll talk about that in a minute. And it says, and Jacob stole away unaware to Laban the Syrian, Padanaram is in Syria, in that he told him not that he fled. And so he fled with all that he had. He rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward the Mount Gilead. And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. He took brethren with him and pursued him. Seven days journey, they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. Now, here's the question. Was Jacob right? Let's not say, let's not say right and wrong. Let's say trusting God, trusting faith in God. Was he demonstrating faith when he snuck away? No. Okay, why? Now I'm with you. Some say yes, some say no. I want to I want to hear what you have to say. I'll tell you what I think. I think that he was scared to confront Laban because he would be talked into another <laughs> Yeah. Every time he's Laban talked to Laban, <laughs> Laban has cajoled him into a new deal, hadn't he? Yeah. Okay? And so, do you think here's the thing though, if he was scared to confront him and say, not confront him, but just say, "Look, God has told me that we're I'm supposed to go home." Um do you think that he might have been worried that he wouldn't have enough strength, enough faith, enough whatever to step out? To step out. You know, you know what's going to happen. You saw what happened last time when he, he told Laban, I'm leaving last time, last chapter. And what did Laban do? 
Look, come on. Let me let me just give you some more. Let me uh, tell me what you want me to give you, and uh, to get you to stay, and I'll give you whatever. And that's where he he told him, "I want the speckled and the spotted and all that kind of stuff." And so, what do you think Laban would do if he come up and said, "Okay, I, God has told me I need to leave." Well, here's the thing I'm yeah. looking at too, and it's not biblical, but just read between the lines. Well, if it's not biblical, well, huh? just don't I want to hear? <laughs> How would you feel? You got a daughter, and I got a daughter. Somebody just took her off and, and didn't even tell you where they were basically going. You know, you think maybe that he he didn't want to maybe confront him because he just took off with both of his think daughters. He, think he was kidnapping the daughters? Yeah. That's very possible. Yeah, and Laban. It don't matter. Okay, I'm gonna separate y'all. I'm gonna separate y'all. <laughs> hey, exactly. He signed her. He just gave her away. He sold her his daughter. That's right. But that is a good point. And. Right. Yeah. That is the argument Laban is going to make. If when we read this chapter, when they finally come face to face, Laban's going to say, "Why did you steal away with my daughters, and didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren goodbye?" Or that's that's the argument that he's going to make. Um, I'm going to show you. I'll show you when we get there. I think that that's part of Laban's mindset, but. I think Laban is more concerned about the money than he is yeah. the family. And the reason, there's a reason why I say that, is because you're going to see when uh, God's going to appear, so I'm giving the whole story away, God's going to appear to Laban and he's going to say, hey, don't overstep your authority with my man Jacob. Mm. You know, he's going to say, don't, you know, he's going to catch him. And it's like, he, he, he probably has in his mind to kill Jacob. And God's going to appear to Laban in a dream and say, look, you better not. You better not step over your authority here, and that's going to make Laban realize I, I can't do anything about it. I can't well, do anything. Laban's never been guided by love or his heart. He's always been guided by self. Right. But what I, what I was getting to in that is when Laban finally does speak to Jacob in front of his family, he's going to say, you know, there's nothing I can do. God appeared to me. He's going to tell Jacob, God appeared to me in a dream and told me not to mess with y'all. Uh, but what he's going to say is, I, you need to know, I have the power to hurt you, is what he's going to say. He's going to say that to Jacob. And what you need to know is the you there is plural in Hebrew. It's not singular. And so he's not saying I have the power to hurt you, Jacob. He's looking at them. If he was from if he was from Tennessee, yeah. he would say, I have the power to hurt y'all. You know, so he's talking to all of talking He's to talking to talking to all of them. It's plural. It's plural. It's not just singular. Well knowing what's gonna happen with the next about the wrestling. Yes. That's the thing. That's when God broke him. Yes. Literally. And go ahead. That's I think at that point, that's when Jacob realized I can't do anything with that unless he's by my side. Right. And up until that point, even with dealing with Laban this, I think he was scared. Yes, he's gonna say so. Because we know what's gonna happen. Right, next. right. And he didn't. And that's why I started out this saying this whole section, this whole chapter here, 
seems to me like it's pushing Jacob toward faith in God. It's pushing him to that moment where he wrestles with God. It's, it, you can see it because we know what's about to happen in Jacob's life. And at that moment when he wrestles with God and God changes his name, from that moment on, you're going to see a man of faith, a man of power in God, a man, a man who is, you know, he's going to have his little deals as he grows up and dealing with his son. He's going to have his moments just like Abraham had his moments. But from that point on, he's going to be Israel. He's going to be a man of faith. Does that not remind you of David when David was in the cave with Saul and he could and Saul and he, you know he was dark in there and Saul uh, didn't see him and David said basically I could kill he you. He could have killed you, yeah. Exactly. And and did not is this not Laban's kind of way of say, doing the same thing? I could kill all of you right here. Maybe so, maybe so. Uh, Laban's gonna make it clear that the only reason he's gonna let them go is because God told him in a dream, right. you better not David, mess with You better not David mess with say, saw, He said, I will not mess with God's anointing. Right. He was waiting for God to right. do what but God was going to do. Yes, yes. He has to break. Maybe not. He has to break way, us. We have to be broke. We are, yes, we have to be broken. Yeah, yeah but you know, I've learned in the last few years in my relationship with the Lord, if you feel like God's promised you something and you're firm, it doesn't contradict something. <clears throat> Keep your mouth shut. Because well-meaning people, family members and friends, will say, oh, I couldn't have told you that. Yeah. You've got to be crazy. So to avoid confrontation, as he was probably doing, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Keep it in your heart. Don't share it. You know, because it can sure throw in confusion, doubt. It's just yeah. better if you just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see in... The, the next chapter before we get to wrestling with God, uh, you'll see that uh, Jacob is, although he has the promise of God, I'll be with you, I'm going to think, he's going to still try to rely on his own devices, you know, when he has to go. Remember, he's, he's really getting out of the frying pan and into the fire because what's waiting for him at home? Esau, remember? <laughs> the, guy, the reason he left was the dude wanted to kill him. And so he's, he, he has no good options here. And so Laban chases him down. The, the language that's used is really militaristic. It's, it's not like Laban's on his donkey riding going, oh, wait, I, I miss you, Jake. You know, no, he's with all his folks and they're coming to do damage. They're coming to harm Jacob. And so he is chasing, he's chasing after Jacob. And uh, where do we get to? Verse 20. 20. 20? Okay. And it says, and Jacob stole away. Yeah, we saw that. And so he fled. Uh, 24. 24. Okay, Laban finally catches up with Jacob. And then here's God. Verse 24. And God came to Laban, the Syrian, in a dream by night and said to him, you take heed. The take heed there means watch yourself. Beware. He says, take heed. That you speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Now, yeah, well, this doesn't mean be silent. It means uh, make sure that you understand you don't have the authority to tell him yes or no. 
You don't overstep your authority to say this is a good thing or this is a bad thing. You, you don't know what's going on. I, Jacob's my man and I'm, I have the authority. So you, you just be watch yourself and don't you uh, don't speak to him either that this is good or that this is bad. You don't have the authority to tell him anything. And it, it's kind of vague for us. But later you're going to see Laban. He's going to he's going to tell Jacob, you know what? The only thing stopping me from from getting all of you guys is the fact that that your God appeared to me and told me to be careful. You know, be careful. It's almost like this is not just a command. It is a command, but it's not just a command. It's a warning. It's a warning. You better watch yourself is what he's saying, because you're about to you're about to do something that's going to transgress my purpose and my plan. And you know what happens when that happens. Did God ever do that for Abraham? Warn his enemy. You better not mess with my, you better not mess with my man. Yeah. Abimelech. Abimelech. Yeah. What was Abimelech going to do? He was going to take Sarah. And God appeared to Abimelech and said, No, you better watch yourself. And, of course, it caused Abimelech to get on to Abraham for sure. And so he appears to him. And then this is where the standoff ensues. Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob pitched his tent in the mountain. Laban was with his brethren, pitched in the mount of Gilead. Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares to me and carried away my daughters as captives with the sword? He basically accused them of kidnapping. Where didst thou flee away? Wherefore, he said, why, wherefore did thou flee away? Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and did not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with song and tabret and with heart? He said, why did you leave? I would have threw you a party. <laughs> Do you think he was serious? You think no, he's lying? Hardly. Is he lying? Hardly. Yeah, he's lying. Uh, probably so. Just from his personality so far, he's probably lying. And hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters, thou hast now foolishly in done foolishly in doing so. And then this is the verse I was telling you about. It says, It is in the power of my hand to do you, plural, hurt. He says, But the God of your father spoke unto me yesterday, saying, Take heed, take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. And now Though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou soarest longest after thy father's house. He's saying, uh, I understand the point that you want to go to your father's house, but why? Wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? Okay? Now, who stole his gods? Rachel. Rachel. Yeah, she stole his idol. What is his household idol? Teraphim is what it's called. He, he stole the, probably the little idol sit on the mantle that Laban and them prayed to or whatever. And Rachel stole it. Now here's the question. Why did she steal it? You got some choices. As I'm thinking through this, maybe, and this is a possibility, maybe she was a closet idolater. Maybe she worshipped the thing and she wanted to take it with her because that was her little quote-unquote little G-God. Maybe the thing was just valuable. I mean, it's probably made out of silver or gold or some precious metal. And, you know, some cash, you know, take it with it. Maybe she did it just to hurt Daddy because of what he had done to You know, maybe she did it because she knew Daddy loved this thing and I'm fixing to take it and go with him. Maybe she didn't think it was something for Daddy's. Maybe she wanted something. I think it was a little mixture of both. Of because it was valuable that it could have been sold and they didn't get any inheritance from Daddy. Yeah. So she might have took it to hurt Daddy but also 
claim it as her inheritance. And see, I'm and thinking, and I'm thinking with him, her, them knowing that he's like a military type man, she took it because that was his business. That she took it as a to hurt him. You know, as I've taken, we've got God on our side. That's our power. I'm taking your power. Yeah. And that's true. <laughs> now all that's possible but it's possible that she we don't know why she took it because it doesn't the text doesn't tell us but I want you to see the picture that's being painted for us by Moses who's writing Genesis and God who's inspiring Moses you see the difference between Jacob's God mm -hmm. and Laban's God mm -hmm. Laban's God can be stolen by a chick yep. who's end up going to be sitting on sitting on on Laban's God while she's you know having her womanly thing that's why Laban's not gonna I hope you've read it so you know what I'm talking about mm -hmm. Laban's God is absolutely powerless right. he is powerless I mean it doesn't exist we know it's not really it's just a thing it's not a God but he's powerless to do anything he's powerless from this housewife walking in and taking him and stealing him away whereas Jacob's God appears in a dream to Laban and says, son, you better watch your step when you're messing with my man. You better watch your step when you're messing with my purposes, my, my plans, my whatever. And so you see the picture here of the difference between Laban's God and Jacob's God. Well, obviously it was a big thing because that's the first thing you mentioned to Jacob. Yes. And you're going to see that really to in... in Really, in my mind, I think that was the big thing because he's going to, we probably won't have time to read the whole rest of the text, but he's going to search the, the tents looking for this little God and he's going to come and search everything he's not going to, and I say little God, you know what I mean when I say he's an idol, it's a thing, it's not really a God, it's a little G God. Uh, and he's going to search all the tents, he's going to search everything around and he's not going to be able to find it and he's going to come to Rachel who's sitting on her camel and his, the text tells us that the God is up under her saddle and he's going to say, she's going to say, I'm sorry, I can't get down. The manner of women is upon me, which, you know, she's having her, she's having her deal, which would make everything unclean that she sat on, make everything you can't. So he's, he's not going to try to make her get up, but it's just a, it's a hilarious picture that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is powerful to keep his promise. When he makes a promise, it's, you take it to the bank. We saw that last week. There's nothing that can come against uh, the promise bearer of God and prosper. And here's Laban worshiping this nothing, this piece of stone or wood or metal or whatever it was. And this little God can be stolen away and taken by a housewife. And he ends up underneath the saddle of a, of a woman who's ceremonially unclean. I mean, just, just let your mind go nuts about how you would describe this God who's supposed to be powerful uh, up underneath the... Oh, okay, never mind. But you know you know what I'm talking about. Here's what's interesting. How our God appeared to Laban, but yet he's not even concerned about God. He's still concerned about the little idol. Yeah, and it would make you... It almost makes you think... Laban is well. He's a he's an evil man. He's wicked. He's m more worried about his power and his money and all that than he is anything else. But it's almost like he's been he's one of those guys that we read about that's been turned over to a reprobate mind because yeah he's obsessed. He's obsessed with it. Well, it's a picture of what men will do 
for what the flesh desires. Yes, yes. I mean, he, even to the point that he tells Jacob, you know, these daughters, this, they're my daughters. Yeah. Their kids are my kids. Yeah. And I'm like, and when I was reading that, I was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you <laughs> so just, you know, God has just spoken to you, and you're still looking at this man with, uh, your wives are still my kids, and their kids are my kids. That's right. That's right. I mean, he is rounded. He believes as much in himself as Jacob knows God is real. That, to me, is a true reprobate when someone, like he said, is just so indifferent yes. to, to, to a, a changed heart. And after, and this is where we'll end, after uh, he searches, after Jacob is going to, the reason I said God is pushing Jacob because Jacob has done everything in the back alley. He's done everything secretly, everything quietly, hadn't done it. And God is going to push him to the point here where Laban's checking all his stuff and he's going to blow up on Laban and basically just lay it all out. And then if you look real quick, just in verse, uh, verse 43, after all that, Laban's still going to say, and Laban answered and said unto Jacob, these daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, these cattle are my cattle, and all thou seest is mine. What can I do this day? He says, I can't do nothing about it, uh, which these daughters are unto their children which are born. And he's going to say, let's make a covenant together that we're never going to see each other again. Basically, you're not going to come this way, and I'm not going to go over there to you. And so what I want you to see is, I mean, there's so much that you know we didn't cover that we'll look at, but God is pushing Jacob to be the man of faith, and he's going to have to come and break Jacob. Okay? Y'all with me? Everybody good? Alright. Um, what we're going to do is uh, next week we are... Let me stop this.